1: Good afternoon. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Welcome to episode 160 of Live Mike here on KSL News Radio. On today's program, we will be covering all sorts of ground. Uh, in fact, we'll leave the ground for a time. Later on, we're going to be talking about some accidents which took place uh, in Wyoming involving three hot air balloons. Yeah, three hot air balloons. We're going <laughs> to dedicate some time to the program today and talk about hot air ballooning. When I was growing up, one of the uh, special treats each fall was to travel down south and and go to a balloon festival. And I understand uh, that here, the Autumn Aloft Hot Air Balloon Festival has been canceled for 2020. And so that's unfortunate. We won't be able to see too many of those beautiful orbs <laughs> floating up and over the mountaintops and through the uh, beautiful valleys. Hot air balloons are, it's a cool scene. It's a really cool scene. When my wife and I got married... And the photographer was taking photos. uh, We were very lucky. There was a hot air balloon uh, to just come right up over our shoulder. And so we have a a few keepsakes from the wedding day, which involve a a hot air balloon. And so when I saw that, that there were three of them that went down all in the same area, I thought, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, how scary must that be when I've only ever associated uh, like beauty and romanticism and uh, good times and good scenery with hot air balloons. Well, uh, that all changed yesterday and we will have a conversation with an expert on the matter. As a matter of fact, hot air balloons coming up later on in the program. Also going to dedicate much of the two o'clock hour to uh, the election. Uh, we're going to look at mail-in voting you know the president has had some very strong feelings on mail-in voting. In fact, he uh, doubled down on that just yesterday, and we'll get into that conversation. And Utah's own Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox, he had some words to share on that very matter yesterday as well. And so we will uh, go back and forth, compare and contrast what Spencer Cox had to say and what President Trump had to say on mail-in voting. And then, you're not going to believe this, there is an effort. There's an effort underway uh, by many I mean this is not just a small little thing uh, to to call off any presidential debate for this year for this election season. yeah, uh, there are those who think it 's either unwise or unhelpful or unfit or who knows what uh, to host a a debate a presidential debate and so should uh, President Trump and Joe Biden uh, receive the nomination from their respective parties, there are those who would have them. Uh, engage public uh, on their own, and not uh, go face to face in a debate. It, to me, that's crazy. We have uh, decades of tradition of hosting debates in this country, and if they're worried about, if they're worried about the COVID. Let me just tell you, I have moderated in the COVID era a debate. I have been on the debate stage. Uh, there were four candidates, uh, healthily spaced out before one another. There was no audience. All right, there were a few staffers there, spaced out uh, between uh, seats, but no audience. And it came off just fine. None of us came away contracting the coronavirus. And so if that's the argument to be made against, uh, against a debate, that's bunk. All right, we'll get into that later on. Right now, uh, for the next bit, I want to talk to you about an announcement which came from the office of Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall just yesterday. She announced uh, in a press conference that she was making, quote, major changes to police policies, major changes. She did so via executive order number five. And I want to read to you uh, just the first paragraph of the preface of this executive order so you know uh, the ground upon which she builds uh, these reforms. It reads, Racial and social disparities continue to exist in Salt Lake City across all agencies and institutions, despite federal, state, and local legislation, as well as past efforts to remedy these inequities, uncovering those disparities, and fostering equity in access to every opportunity in Salt Lake City has been our primary priority for my administration since entering office on January 6, 2020. So those are the first words communicated in this executive order. Then she goes on to uh, outline a a new approach and new policies, which will be implemented by the Salt Lake City Police Department uh, no later than September 5, 2020. Uh, It deals with use of force. Uh, A duty to intercede. So that is if you are one officer and you see another officer who is about to engage in something untoward or illegal uh, or against policy, uh, you have a duty to intercede. Uh, It deals with the use of force to effect an arrest. Uh, also, deadly force applications, uh, the reporting of use of force, medical consideration, investigating use of force. The policy will now require that two levels of supervisors review every use of force, not just those uh, uses of force that result in injury. So every use of force will be investigated. Um, what else do we have here? There's some social or I'm sorry, some search and seizure reforms dealing with warrants and uh, body-worn cameras. Uh, This one I'll I'll read to you. It says this policy will go now beyond the requirements in Utah state code to include specific disciplinary considerations that will govern officers who fail to activate body-worn cameras or intentionally deactivate them. All right, in the mayor's own words, she yesterday uh, outlined some of these reforms and talked about what they will mean going forward.
0: These seven reforms are the beginning of our work, not the end. I hope and I expect that we will see additional reforms in the coming weeks and months.
1: It's interesting. She makes reference to additional reforms in the coming weeks and months. I'll point out here that, if you remember, I think it was uh, towards the end of June, there was another press conference hosted by Erin Mendenhall where she announced <clears throat> excuse me, the creation of uh, a commission on racial equity. Remember, it was called the, the Commission on, Commission on Racial Equity in Policing and that group has yet to meet it has yet to draft up any guiding documents it has yet to offer forth any uh, recommendations certainly and yet the the mayor has already uh, exercising her uh, you know duly appointed authority uh, going forward with these uh, seven reforms now my first question when I heard of this is, All right, what do the police think? And what was the police involvement? What uh, has Chief Brown been up to? And well, uh, in the press conference just yesterday, Chief Brown was there alongside her, and she thanked Chief Brown for the work that they have been doing together.
0: I want to thank Chief Brown and the Salt Lake City Police Department for collaborating with me on these reforms. I know that we have a long road ahead of us in this journey toward equity. And I thank you and your department for your professionalism, your desire to innovate and grow, and your commitment to doing what's right for our residents.
1: Mayor Mendenhall also went on to thank those who have called for changes and reform.
0: I want to thank the people who have demanded for us to make systemic change. As a younger person, protesting was the path that I took when I wanted to see change, and it led me to policymaking. Let's continue on this path of progress as a community that is united. The steps we're taking today are the right ones for a more just and equitable capital city, and honestly, I hope that other cities will look at these same reforms as they consider improvements across the state of Utah.
1: I mentioned that she appeared in that press conference just yesterday alongside Chief uh, Brown, who was there, and he also took to the microphone himself discussing the dedication of the officers in the department.
3: There's not one officer in this department who doesn't want to be the best in this profession. I know they come to work every day and they bring their A-game because we have seen their professionalism
1: and their character. Finally, we saw some emotions on display from Chief Brown as he wrapped up his remarks.
3: We are sworn to obey, to support and defend the Constitution of this country and this state and we will continue to do so. We are an outstanding organization. And I challenge anyone to do, to do it better than the Salt Lake City Police Department.
1: I admire the chief for that passion. I admire uh, the chief for his uh, belief in his support of uh, the officers under his command. Uh, looking forward to having a conversation in just a moment with Chief Brown. He'll join me live after the break here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL
2: Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
1: Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Bear. I'm very much looking forward to this, this next conversation. We'll be speaking in just a moment to uh, Salt Lake City Police Chief Mike Brown on the occasion of an announcement, specifically an executive order, Executive Order Number 5. Uh, handed down by the mayor of Salt Lake City, uh, an order directing the police chief to adopt and implement certain reforms to Salt Lake City Police Department policies by September 5th, 2020. The headlines uh, that have been written uh, in the fallout to this uh, this announcement and this executive order uh, call this a list of major changes to police policies. Uh, And so we'll have a conversation about that now. Chief Mike Brown. Chief, sir, how are you? Good, Lee. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing here. well. I'm honored to speak with you. I have uh, observed uh, your way of uh, presenting yourself and promoting your department over the past number of months, especially as uh, you know these times have gotten a little crazy and backwards and upside down. And I, I, I admire uh, your steady hand, and I admire your commitment to this job. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to say, too, I admire the relationship that you have uh, sparked with Kamal Ahmad, uh, Coach K, who's been a guest on this program a number of times, and he speaks uh, very highly of you. One of the points that he has made uh, over the past number of months now is that your relationship uh, extends well beyond the time when the cameras and microphones are present. He, uh, in fact, uh, made mention recently of uh, an occasion where you reached out just to ask him how he was doing and uh, again, as I mentioned, no cameras or uh, microphones there present. It speaks highly of you. So, uh, thank you uh, for the work you're doing, and thank you for joining me now.
3: Well, thank you, Lee. Um, first off, thanks for your kind words. Um, and Coach K, what a what a great individual. I, I love that man, and and he only wants the best for his community and for this police department. He is a good individual that, uh, is, that lives here amongst us. Yeah. He, uh,
1: he, he tweeted recently uh, in, in response to this announcement that he's having a hard time understanding it. He believes the police department, your department, has done a great job and that uh, officers have a right to protect themselves when somebody has a deadly weapon. And on an equity level, he claims that you're doing a great job, by far the best in our country. Now the claims of just one man, but uh, uh, is, it, is it true or does it make sense that the that the mayor would start off the document that's executive order number 5 uh claiming that there continues to be racial and social disparities uh in Salt Lake City across all agencies and institutions and from there uh building these uh, these these seven changes
3: well it- you know, Lee, that's the thing. Um, I think when you look at the big picture and we talk about systemic racism and we talk about uh, uh, situations in our community and across the country that have disadvantaged different groups of people, I think that's real. And I think that we need to look at those things. But here's the thing. A police department, a great police department, and and you know how I feel about this police department. I I feel very strongly that this is one of, if not the best organization in the country. But you don't you don't get to be that if you're you're just sitting back and waiting for things to come to you. You always need to be forward-leaning. You always need to be looking for better ways to do things. And so the one thing we know is that the most constant thing in policing, and I've done this almost 30 years now, is change. It always changes. Um, and so we need to always be looking to what that change is. And, and over the last few months, since the situation with uh uh, Mr. George Floyd in, in Minneapolis. Um, we knew that the policing was going to change. It, it changed in, in Ferguson. It changed in Baltimore. It changed in New York. It changed uh, even here on Rio Grande. Um, so, this agency, um, we have we have started to look at things that we can do better, that we can implement, that we can spell out better, and talk about. It. And I think that's the real intent of what Mayor uh, Menendez is trying to do: is give us some intent. To, to go forward and look and see, see how we can be a better organization
1: is it is it fair to call these changes as I mentioned in, in some of the headlines? It reads that they are major changes is Is it fair to characterize them as such i think
3: I think you know i wouldn 't say major, I would say collectively. Altogether, Because I was asked yesterday, which one of these is the biggest? And I don't think it's any one. I think it's collectively, uh, as we look at these different use of force policies, the duty to intercede, the use of force to effect an arrest, the body-worn cameras, I think altogether they make a big difference. And so I think that's what uh, the mayor was looking for. And I think that 's what we 're trying to do and, and and this is this is something that this organization has done for many, many years i mean when you when you start looking at immigration uh, policies we we were very forward leaning you know five six years ago we still are, and so now, uh, as we look at use of force and ways we can be better um, again we 're doing what I think we should be doing so that we can better police our communities.
1: Yeah. The, have you had uh, yet opportunity to, to to speak with some lieutenants of yours? Uh, have you gotten much feedback from from officers themselves?
3: The uh, today that that is the task of the day. That we're, we're trying to, to to get out um, some information. We have what we call an employee advisory board here in the in the police department, and it's been very beneficial uh, to me as the chief to hear from the line officers that the individuals that are out there doing the work every day. And so in the next few weeks, I would like to meet with this group Tuesdays and Thursdays, more if we need to, but I would really like to put out the, uh, the the intent of these policy reviews and get their feedback and input. I think that's paramount to hear from those that are actually doing the work. So in the next 30 days, we've got a lot a lot of work to do, but I think we're up up to the challenge. But uh, the original question you ask is, Have have I had a chance? No. But I look forward to, to, to seeking that probably starting uh, Thursday of this week.
1: Very good. Uh, w- what was communication like with the mayor's office as these uh, as these changes have been uh, drafted up?
3: We've been talking back and forth for um, uh, probably for the last month or so, but um, we have independently been looking at ways that uh, we can uh, we can change internally. I mean. We belong to a group, an organization called the Major City Chiefs Association, and that's the largest organizations in the country. Mm-hmm. And so, we've been on conference calls nationally, talking about police reform and where it's going and what we can do to to, to get ahead of it. And so, uh, the conversations, I would say, have been coming from from many different sources. But this is a conversation that I know that the mayor has been looking at for a while. We've been looking at it for a while, and. Collectively, law enforcement across the country has been looking at.
1: I uh, I am a major fan of law enforcement. I owe uh, law enforcement so so very much. In fact, I am named after uh, a, a late New York State trooper. A Brother-in-law of mine is uh, just a few days away from graduating from the police academy in uh, Nashville, uh, and so I I I think often about the the, the mindset and the experience of. Of the the beat cop, the officer, right now. Uh, so, could you talk to me? Uh, how how are things in terms of retention and recruitment these days?
3: Well, um, let me just Lee, Let me just, you know, thanks for your. I mean, law enforcement uh, kind of gets into your families. Now you're named after uh, your. Who was it? Your uncle? Or? Uh, yeah,
1: an uncle of mine uh, was yeah. a New York State trooper for uh, for a career.
3: So um, it, 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 it's a it's a noble profession, uh, and it is a profession. It's not a job. You don't you don't get into law enforcement because you want to get rich. Um, you get into law enforcement because you want to cha- You want to make a difference in this world. And so it's a noble profession. And the officers that do this job are great officers. And and I, I usually choke up when I talk about how how proud I am of the women and men of this organization. So, but right now it's tough. It's really hard for. For law enforcement, especially here, because this is a great organization, and uh, a lot of the things that have occurred uh, have occurred outside of the state of Utah, and we were trying very hard to be to be that preeminent, um, kind of that gold standard of law enforcement. And so, um, the the events that unfolded across our country, we were kind of painted with that broad brush. And so, it's hard. Morale's morale's down a little bit, but but I want you to know that we. And, and, and this speaks volumes to the type of people that work here. That they have not—they uh, have not shirked their responsibility. They have answered every call. They, they put that badge and patch on. They come to work to do their very best every day. And uh, but as far as retention, it's—we've um, had a few people resign um, and, and felt like this is probably not uh, the job for them. And a lot of it has come. And, and when I talk to him, you know, I ask him what it might be, and they said, "Well, my family um, feels that I need this is not the profession for me to be in." And and if you don't have the support of your family, this is a very difficult job. So and, and so, I said, you know, maybe this would be. Maybe there is a better job for you because you need the, to do this job. You need your family support. You need the community support. Um, it takes all of us to do this job. So. As far as uh, hiring, um, I still think, and we're actually getting emails from people that I think the the climate and the culture, a lot of people have looked at it like, you know what, it's my turn to step up. It's my turn to, to get involved. And it's if I want change, I'm going to be that change, and, and I can make a change and a difference by being a law
1: enforcement officer. Outstanding. Uh, Chief Mike Brown with the Salt Lake City Police Department. Chief, thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you for joining me here on Live Mike today. Thank you, Lee. Alrighty, uh, quick break. When we, he's pretty great, right? I wish that I had multiple lives to live. If I could uh, live a career as a law enforcement officer, I'd go back and do that. Quick break. When we come back, we're talking about price gouging. Next on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry. And this is KSL News Radio.